Hey, this is Julie Mullins, co-senior pastor here at Christ Fellowship Church right here in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you for taking time out of your busy week to join us for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. I want to welcome everybody joining us today at all of our different campus locations. So good to have you with us today. And everybody, of course, joining with us online. God bless you guys. Big shout out to the men at the Okeechobee Correctional Institute and Martin Correctional Institute. Come on, we love you, man. So proud of you. We are kicking off a brand new series this weekend called Mind Games Win the Battle. And what I know is that our mind is a battlefield. The battles that we win or lose, they start in the mind. And over the next couple weeks, we want to give you the resources and the tools that you need so that you can win this battle. And you might be thinking today, well, Todd, I'm I'm doing pretty good. I'm not really struggling with anything. Well, I can tell you, the battle's coming for you. So you need this, and people around you need this. A lot of times when we talk about mental health, we can go to extreme cases, We can think about extreme cases of paranoia or schizophrenia or just things that seem way out there and we're thinking, man, that is crazy. I don't need that. But according to the Mayo Clinic, mental disorders include, listen to this, mood disorders, which would be moodiness, feeling a little sad or down, you ever been there? Dealing with discouragement, feeling stressed out or burned out or having a negative perspective about a situation. That would have been all of last year, right there in that first one, right? Anxiety disorders, that's a part of, of mental disorders, uneasiness, worrying about situations in life, fear that something undesirable might happen to you or your family, check. And then thought disorders, thoughts just running away with you. You can't control your thoughts. So what they're telling us is that mental health is something that really affects all of us. And we need to learn how to be and stay mentally strong and mentally healthy. Now, if I were honest with you, I, I didn't give a lot of thought to mental health because I was a pretty much a happy-go-lucky kind of guy, faith-filled. Like, I'm not just the glass is half full. The glass is filling up, and it's going to overflow, baby. Come on. And if somebody around me was discouraged or down or moody, I was just like, cheer up already, right? Go take a jog around the block and get some endorphins going, baby. You'll be okay. But it wasn't until this past year that I struggled with some things that I just couldn't shake. Some discouragement they got on me, some pressure that maybe I put on myself or other people put on me and I let it stay there and I just didn't know how to deal with it and get out from under it all. And in fact, when I started talking with some other friends of mine around the country, some other pastors, I realized this situation is actually much worse than I first thought. Did you know that last year alone, mental health hotline calls went up nine hundred percent just last year one out of four of young adults in our country under the age of 30 contemplated suicide seriously one out of four medication for anti-depression is is at an all-time high something is is wrong and we gotta we gotta figure it out in fact just recently in the in the news in the olympics simone biles she was the gold medal contender She was expected to just sweep gold. She had to step away from much of the competition. And she said it was because of her own mental health and mental well-being. And coming to her defense was Michael Phelps, 
Michael said, I had to deal with that myself. Things that people said that they put on me and I just didn't know how to, how to deal with it. He even said, my mental health was so unhealthy that at times I couldn't even get out of bed while I was trying to compete. Now think about this. These two star world athletes at the top of their game yet struggling with this situation. It tells me it's something that we need to be prepared to deal with. And God, he wants you to be prepared for. Mental health is in the Bible. It's called shalom. It's the peace of God. It's the wholeness of God that surrounds our mind and our soul as we are in God. And God wants that for you. But before we jump into the scripture today, I want to make sure you understand something in case you didn't know this. I want to be perfectly clear. I am not a medical doctor and I did not stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. So I'm not trying to be a medical doctor. I am a, I have a doctorate in theology but I'm not trying to tell you what to do medically. And I understand that there are some situations and, and needs and problems that need to be under medical care and medication and all of that. But for many of us, and I would even say most of us, we need to understand how the word of God and the principles of God will help us live mind, body, soul, healthy and strong and vibrant. And God's got that for us right in his word. So as we open up the word today, let me say this, this should actually encourage you, this word because it is full of people that had issues, people that had struggles and problems. We see God using liars and adulterers and murderers and people that could not control themselves and people with mental health issues. There's a prophet in the Old Testament named Jeremiah who wrote a whole book dedicated to depression and despair. It's called Lamentations. The whole thing is, woe is me, oh God. Here's a part of it, I wanna just help you see how Easy, you've got it. He says, I cannot find, limitations three, I can't find peace, I can't remember happiness. I tell myself, I am finished. I can't count on the Lord to do anything for me. Ever thought that? Just thinking of my troubles and my lonely wandering makes me miserable. Look what he says, that's all I ever think about. And I am depressed. And I would say, well, Jeremiah, if that's all you ever think about, you're gonna be depressed. You gotta think about something different. Apostle Paul, great apostle that wrote nearly half of the New Testament for us, wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter one about how crushed and hopeless he felt. He says that you need to know how much trouble I've been in. I was at the point of such despair, I wanted to give up. So we got prophets and apostles dealing with disappointment and despair in their own personal life. So if you're struggling with any of that, can I just tell you, you are in good company. And God has an answer for you and for me, no matter what we might be going through today or in the days to come. So I wanna, I wanna look at a story over the next several weeks that's a story about the prophet Elijah, one of the greatest and most significant prophets in the Bible, did some amazing things for God, but he also had a lot of struggles. And the story that I wanna look at takes place right after one of the most famous stories in the Bible. Uh, I don't have time to tell it all, but the prophets of Baal, this false God, had come against our, the, the one true God and against his man, Elijah. And so there's this competition on Mount Carmel where Elijah says, listen, you offer a sacrifice and see what Baal can do if he'll come down out of the heavens and fire and burn it up, and I'll do the same thing over here. So the 450 prophets of Baal, they set up their, their altar and they got their sacrifice on it and they cry and they shout and they dance and they cut themselves, but their God is silent. And then Elijah sets up his sacrifice 
on the altar and he digs a trench around the altar and he covers it with barrels and barrels of water just to make sure nobody thought he was over there lighting a match. You know what I'm saying? And then he simply just prayed, God, show off. Show them who you really are. And fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice and the altar and dried up all the water that day. And the prophets of Baal were destroyed. Now, this is where our story picks up. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. When Ahab came from heaven and consumed the sacrifice and the altar and dried up all the water that day, and the prophets of Baal, all the prophets of Baal, it says Jezebel sent, his, sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed me. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. He went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and he prayed that he might die. He actually prayed a prayer that maybe some of you have prayed in this last year. Lord, I have had enough. I can't take anymore. I'm done. He said, my life, take my life, for I'm no better off than my ancestors who have already died. And then he laid down and he slept under the broom tree, but as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head were some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and he drank and then he laid back down and took another nap. I, I love it. The angel of the Lord shows up in the middle of this pity party that he's having and he doesn't jump his case and say, God's, come on, you are a prophet. Come, man of God, you should be. No, 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 he just bakes him some bread, sets a jar of water there, says, come on, get up, get up and eat, get up and eat. You just need a, you need a good nap and you need something to eat. Some of you, that's all you need, just a good nap. Nothing like a good nap and getting something to eat. You know what I'm saying? Go some barbecue or something. Then the angel of the Lord, so he fell asleep. The angel of the Lord came back again, touched him again and said, come on, get up and eat some more. I like this guy, eat some more. And then for the journey ahead of you is gonna be too much. So he got up, he ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And look at the last four words. There he came to a cave. Now, some of us can relate a little bit to what Elijah might be going through. Something's happened, somebody said something, somebody did something that has led you to a dark and lonely place. And that's exactly what a cave is. It is a dark and a lonely place. I remember as a kid visiting caves up north with our family and we went into this cave and it was a big cave, big, and we had flashlights and they had us turn all the flashlights off and I remember how dark it got in that cave. Like you could not see your hand in front of your face. You couldn't tell which way was up, which way was down. Definitely could not find your way out. And about the moment I began as a little kid to freak out, somebody turned their light back on. Well, Elijah is in a cave, but there's no light. He doesn't have a flashlight. He, he doesn't know how he's gonna find his way out. Things around him, are he's alone, he's confused. He's anxious about what might happen to him tomorrow. And I'm sure... If we could sit down and talk, there are many of you that would say, Todd, I'm in the exact same place as Elijah is. I'm anxious about my family, about our marriage, about our finances, about this pandemic, about the future. I just, I don't, I, I'm so uncertain. There's so much uncertainty in my life. And today what I wanna do is I wanna look at the things that got Elijah into the cave. There's some things he did that actually took him to the cave. And I believe there's things that we do that carry us down the same path that Elijah went on. And then over the next three weeks, we're gonna talk about how to get out of the cave. So you gotta come back the next three weeks because I don't want you staying in the cave, okay? Today I'm gonna get you to the cave, 
Thank you, Todd. And then you gotta come back to get out of the cave. Is that okay? So look again, look again at how it all started. Verse two, Jezebel sent a message to Elijah. That's all she did. She sent a message to Elijah that basically said, Elijah, I hate you and I'm coming after you. And that one thought got stuck in Elijah's head. That one thought got lodged in there and he just kind of played that over and over and over again. It is amazing how one negative comment, one negative thought that is lodged against you and me from a coworker or a friend or a family member, man, we just hold on to it. Stays right there, it begins to affect everything. One, one rude comment on Instagram. One comment on your Facebook page that somebody makes about you or about your family or about your business and you're, oh, I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they hurt me, I can't believe, and we hold on to it. This, this one comment sent the prophet running. Now you would think he's a man of God that just defeated 450 prophets of Baal. He confronted King Ahab and all of King Ahab's wickedness in the land. He will later raise a dead boy back to life. You would think he could handle a rude text message. You know what I'm saying? Because that's basically all this was. She, Jezebel wasn't even there. It was, it, was a, it was a text message that she sent with a messenger to him. But do you know that it says in the New Testament, in the book of James, around chapter five, that Elijah is a man just like us. Just like us, he was his prophet, used by God, but he was just like us. One thing can mess him up. And now remember, right before this, God had just shown up and shown off in this spectacular display of God's power that completely validated who Elijah was in front of the whole nation. But still, one comment from one woman got stuck in his head and he begins to run for his life. He runs to a town called Beersheba, which I don't have time to unpack the significance of that town where he ran back to the place where he was called, but it says there he left his servant there. And then he went on in verse four, see what it says there? Then he went on, what's that word? Alone. He went on alone by himself into the wilderness, traveling all day, and he sat down under a solitary broom, broom tree and prayed there that he might die alone. Can I tell you, often when your enemy attacks you, he tries to get you alone. He tries to pull you away from the people that God has sovereignly put in your life to actually surround your life, to echo his voice over your life. And your enemy knows that if he can separate you from those people, that you'll start listening to the wrong voices. You'll start being influenced and pulled away by his traps and his deception, which is why you gotta make sure you don't do what Elijah did. You don't need to get off and get alone. When you're feeling down and feeling under the attack from the enemy, that's when you've gotta reach out to the people in your group, the people in your crew, the guys, the, the guys that you are doing life with and say, I need you to pray with me. I'm struggling today. I need you to speak the scriptures over me because I don't even wanna read the scriptures today. The enemy will always try to get you alone. And you gotta know that your enemy is just as real as Jezebel was to Elijah. In fact, I would say he's more real because he was here before Jezebel was here. Jesus said in John chapter 10 that your enemy comes to rob, kill, and destroy. He's on a mission to destroy your life. He is on a mission to intimidate you. 
make you think wrong things so that you live the wrong life. He'll make you think like you're all alone, like there's nobody you can count on. That's exactly what he did to Elijah. We don't have time to read it, but later on in this same story, Elijah is whining again to God. He's like, I'm the only one. There's like nobody else in all of Israel. I'm the only one standing. God's like, nah, there's 7,000 others that have not even bowed their knee to Baal. Get back up, boy. Come on, let's go. Look up. What that tells me is just because it's how you feel, it doesn't make it real. And I think if you could get that in your spirit today, just because it's how you feel, that doesn't make it real. Just, just because you feel all alone, it doesn't mean you're all alone. You gotta remember, God said, I'm never gonna leave you. I'm never gonna forsake you. I'll be with you no matter where you go, no matter what you're up against. Just because you feel like everybody's against you doesn't mean everybody's against you. There, there might be one or two that are against you or saying something bad against you, but you gotta remember all the people that are for you, that believe in you. You need to start listening about who's praying for you, who loves you. And if you don't know where to start, start with me. I love you. I believe in you. I believe in what God wants to do in your life. You might feel like it is impossible or hopeless, but can I tell you, that doesn't mean it's impossible or hopeless. Because my Bible says, with God, all things are possible. When he shows up, there is no hopeless situation, no hopeless cause. Feel does not equal real. Say that with me out loud. Feel does not equal real. So whatever you do, don't let your feelings lead you. Your feelings were never created to be a leader. And if you follow your feelings, they're gonna take you places you never wanna go. It's exactly what, don't let your feelings lead you. Your feelings were never created to this cave. He was listening to the voice of fear and anxiety. And he ended up hopeless in a dark cave saying, God, I want to die. But can I show you again that it all started in his mind? It all started with one, he was deceived by what he believed. And if we're not careful, we will be deceived by what we believe. Many days, I struggle just like Elijah. There's things, thoughts that I know are not healthy in my head, like, Todd, you're not good enough to be the pastor of this church. You're, you're, you're a failure as a friend. You're a failure as a husband. You could do better here. You're never gonna get everything done. And there's all these thoughts that I have got to battle in my mind. And if I entertain those thoughts, if I let them just stay in my head, they're gonna take me down a place where I'll be joining Elijah in the cave. Maybe you've had thoughts of anxiety or worry about the future. Maybe you're a single parent and you're thinking, I don't know how I'm gonna make it. I don't know how I'm gonna take care of myself and my kids, how I'm gonna make ends meet. Maybe maybe you don't know how you're gonna do your new job or maybe you need a new job. Maybe you're dealing with a discouragement because somebody has hurt you and now you don't know what to do with that unforgiveness and and that pain. I wanna challenge you. I I got one main point for the message today and this is it. If you don't remember anything else that I talk about today, I want you to remember this one point. Are you ready for it? Here it goes. You gotta think about what you think about. You have to think about what you're thinking about. You've got to give thought to your thoughts. Most people never think about what they're thinking about. And as a result, their thoughts lead them to a place they never intended to go. 
Now, this is not just the word of Todd. This is the word of God. Proverbs 4.23 says this. In fact, why don't you say it with me out loud, wherever you might be today, say this. Be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. Would you please leave that scripture up for just a minute because I think that needs to settle in our spirits today. Be careful. Give care. Give attention to what you think. What's going on in your heart and your mind and your soul, guard it, protect it, think about it, because that is going to shape your life. Two things I see, two truths from this one verse in Proverbs 4. The first truth is this, your thoughts are powerful. If they shape your life, if they're going to take you someplace, those are powerful thoughts. Don't underestimate the power of the thoughts that you have going on in your head. So when you remember and think on the things, God is able, man, there's no problem too big for God. No weapon formed against me is, is gonna prosper today. If God is for me, who can come against me? My God's gonna supply all my needs according to his riches. When you're going there, man, what is happening on the inside of you? Faith is building up, your perspective is changing, you're looking up, I call it holy Godfidence. You are confident in who God is in you and what he wants to do through you. But can I tell you the opposite is true. Your thoughts are powerful. If all you do is think, oh, it's really bad. Like, I, I, we thought 2020 was bad. Oh, dear God, it's still bad. It's still bad. The, the pandemic and the, the mask and the vaccines and the numbers. And oh, oh, what am I going to do? And this is shut down. And what about school? And I don't know. If that's all you get consumed with, those thoughts are powerful. If you keep thinking, I'm not good enough. I can't make it happen. Those things are going to to actually do something on the inside of you. I read, I read this study this week. Scientific research found that when we focus on thoughts of anger and resentment and self-hatred, that over time, it produces a steady flow of toxic chemicals from your brain that actually attack your immune system. Think about that. Your negative thinking is actually harming your body. In fact, some research found that approximately 75 to 80% of all illnesses are actually attributed to our thought life. 75 to 80% of the illnesses, which leaves only 20 to 25% left to exercise, diet, and genetics. Think about how much time you spend on exercise and diet. Just two of those things. Like if you just change your thought life, you don't have to go to the gym this week. Come on, somebody. Best little bit of news. I, oh, somebody's like, oh, I'm paying attention now. What is Todd saying? <laughs> yes, studies have linked chronic diseases like heart disease, diabetes, even cancer to toxic emotions and negative thoughts. Your mind and your body are critically connected. But can I tell you that's good news? Because if your thoughts are powerful enough to make you sick, they're also powerful enough to make you healthy and whole. This same research, they found that healthy thoughts produce healthy bodies, healthy minds, healthy strong. Neuroscientists discovered that repeti uh, rep repetitive thoughts over and over, thank you, had to get it out, Repetitive thoughts actually create new uh, pathways, neurological pathways in your mind. It's called neuroplasticity, that our brains actually have the ability to shape and change the wiring to create new pathways. So even if up till now, 
You've had some negative thinking going on. You can change it today and this week and begin to build some new pathways that's gonna produce some new things on the inside of you. First thing I learned from that verse, Proverbs 4, is that your thoughts are powerful. The second thing I want you to know is that your thoughts are your thoughts. Your thoughts are yours. Nobody's making you think them. The devil's not making you think them. The devil's not making you dwell on something. Your spouse or your kids or your husband, or they're not, they're not, your boss, no, no, no. Only you control you. So you get to control your thoughts. If in that scripture, he said, I'm gonna look at it again, be careful how you think because your life is shaped by your thoughts. That means that you actually get to control your thoughts. My dad used to tell me all the time, he says, Todd, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can sure stop them from building a nest in your hair. Don't dwell on it, don't think on it, move along. See, the reason that's important is because this week you cannot control what's gonna happen to you. You can't control what somebody might say to you or do to you, but you can't control what it does to you. You can control what, what's going on on the in, inside of you. Your thoughts are your choice. The Apostle Paul actually talks about this in Philippians chapter four. He says it this way. He says, fix your thoughts, because again, your thoughts are your choice. Fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. Think about the things that are pure and lovely and dwell on the fine good things in others. Right there. Come on, somebody. You need to dwell on some good things in others. You can always pick off the bad things. You can always point to the bad things. You can always see the bad things. But how about we focus on the good things? Think about all you can praise God for and be glad about. He says, fix your thoughts. That word fix means anchor it, tie it to, let it be unmovable. I'm going to fix my thoughts to these things, which means I'm not going to just let my thoughts wander around. I'm not going to just let anything walk through the gate of my mind. I'm going to guard my mind. I'm going to fix my thoughts. I'm going to think about good things. Sure, there's other things I could think about. A lot of other things that aren't so good in people, but thinking about those things isn't going to help anything. Think about the things you can praise God for. There might even be things in your life that are bad. They're not just not good. They're just bad. But Paul doesn't say think about those things, to worry about those things. He says, fix your thoughts on what is good and what is right this verse tells us that it is a choice that you and I get to make. I got a pastor friend that I heard him say before that your thoughts move in the direction, your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. That your life is moving in the direction today of your strongest thoughts. The thoughts that you allow to go on, the conversations you have with yourself, the things that you just kind of mull over and think about, those things are driving your life. The question is, are you going where you want to go? And if it's not going where you want to go, today's the day I'm standing in the road saying, hey, it's time to make a U-turn. It's time to, to turn it around. It's time to get moving in the right direction. And if you're like me, many of you could come up with a lot of thoughts that you go, well, I want to go. Today's the day I'm standing in the road saying, hey, it's time to make a U-turn. It's time to, to turn it around. All I was gonna do today was get you in the cave and you had to come back next week to get out of the cave. But let me give you two things that'll get you moving in the right direction this week, okay? Move, I can't leave you in the cave. I gotta help you at least move a little bit, lean a little bit towards the outside of this cave. Two things that you can do this week that will actually help you with your mental health. 
that will actually help you think about what you think about. Are you ready for them? Here's what you gotta do. We all have to do this. We have to eliminate and we have to meditate. You can remember that. We have to eliminate and we have to meditate. You have to eliminate any stinking thinking, any wrong reasoning, any spoiled speculation that is actually poisoning your heart and mind. You've got to identify it and then you need to eliminate it. What are those things that are pulling me down, pulling me off track, taking me away from what God has for me? Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse five. We demolish arguments and every pretension, that is a lie or deception, we demolish it that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and, won't you say it with me out loud, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take it captive. There are so many people, so many of us, that at times we are deceived by what we believe. God doesn't care about me. God didn't answer my prayer. God didn't do this, they didn't do this. And all of a sudden it takes us down, those lies and those negative thoughts actually set the course for our life. They change the way we pray, they change how we live our life, they change our faith, they shape us. And Paul says you've got to take authority over those thoughts. You have to demolish every argument, every lie that sets itself up against the knowledge and the truth of God. So what that means, for me, is when that thought comes in my head, I have to remember the scripture and I have to go, how does that thought align with the truth from God's word? So, so if the thought is, oh, I'm just overwhelmed or that thought of insecurity, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not good enough to be like doing what I'm doing. Who am I to be doing these things? I, I have to take that thought captive and I have to say, wait a minute, the Lord is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. Even when things around me are shaken and I feel overwhelmed, my God is going to make a way for me. It tells me in Corinthians that Jesus, if I have Jesus, I have everything I need. So I, I am, I'm good. When the thought comes in, maybe you feel all alone that you've got nobody to turn to. You've got to take that thought captive and say, no, 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 my God said he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. It says in Psalm 139 that where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the highest mountain, you are there. If I make my bed in the lowest depth, yet, yet you are still there with me. So I take the thought captive and I make it obedient. I eliminate the wrong thinking and I take it captive. What, what if you did that this week? Just this week, just try it. What if you took every thought captive instead of being held captive by every thought? Imagine the difference. If we took every thought captive, instead of being held captive by every thought that comes against us. So you got that thought of worry that comes in this week? Take it captive. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna worry. My God's gonna take care of it. He's gonna supply every need I've got in Christ Jesus. The, the thought of fear, no, no, no. God has not given me a spirit of fear. I take that thought captive. He's given me a spirit of love and power and a, and a sound mind. Every insecure thought that comes in, why'd they say that about me? They must not like me. They, why didn't they include me? Why didn't they invite me? Why, no, 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 I know who I am in Jesus. I know what God has done in me. I'm not gonna be held captive by that insecure thinking. I'm gonna eliminate, and then I'm gonna meditate. I'm gonna replace the lies with the truth of God. But the only way, listen to me, this is important, the only way that you can replace the lie with the truth is you have to know the truth. If you don't know the truth, you're gonna to listen to a lie. Jesus said in John, he says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But the only way 
it'll set you free is if you know the truth. You, you gotta know it, you gotta like read it, you gotta study it, you gotta meditate on it, it's gotta be in you, right? If you don't know it, this word has so much power, but it only has the power that you give it in your life. If you ask anybody I know that has been walking with Jesus for very long, they will tell you that daily consumption of this word has forever changed their life. Daily engagement in the word so that they're getting in the word and the word is getting in you is actually gonna change and transform your thinking because these, these God thoughts are gonna become your thoughts. And as you think, so you go, so you live. Your, your, your thoughts are gonna shape your life. So eliminate and meditate. When I look back at Elijah in his story, he didn't do that. He let his thoughts in this one situation get away from him and drive him to a place that he was never supposed to go. He left his thoughts unattended. And as your pastor, I, I don't want you to be struggling with thoughts that will take you down places you're never supposed to go. I wanna challenge you to think about what you're thinking about. Over these next few weeks, we are gonna to begin to unpack what that means, how we live that out, how we help ourselves be mentally healthy and strong and how we can help others, others who are in our lives, others that God is gonna bring into your life, that he wants you to sovereignly be a part of helping them find the wholeness that you need. So that's why over these next few weeks, I wanna ask you to commit to be here every week these next few weeks. I want you here every week, every week. But over these next few weeks, get here, bring anybody you know that might be struggling in this area, and we all know some that are struggling in this area. Just let them know. It doesn't matter if they, they know Jesus or follow God or anything. They come in and the principles we're gonna be talking about over these next few weeks are just gonna radically transform their life and change them from the inside out. Our team has also put together a resource page full of books that Julie and I have been reading and studying in preparation for this series, articles and tools that you can use and you can get access to it by just texting the word MIND, M-I-N-D, the 441-441, and we'll get you all those resources over these next few weeks. And I believe, church, we're gonna come through this season mentally healthy, mentally strong, mentally ready and prepared so that God can use us to his purposes. I wanna pray for us today. And I want you to know I love you. Julie and I love you. We've been praying for you and believing God for this next season we're stepping into. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that this word is full of all the truth that we need to walk in health and strength and purpose, that you will use this word to change the way we, we live and talk and act and breathe and all of it will change. And I pray you would do that in us, I pray. Lord, I pray that... Um, as a church, we would lean into this season because I believe it is a sovereignly appointed time that you have brought us to, where you're not only gonna do a new work inside each of us, but you are gonna actually prepare us to help your children that are lost and far from you and struggling in places of darkness. They have found themselves in a dark cave and they don't know to get out, how to get out. But God, you are calling us to prepare ourselves with the light of your word so that we can go into those dark places and help them find the light of Jesus. So I pray you would use us in this season, I pray. And as we continue to pray with every head bowed, if you're here today and there's one lie or deception that I've got to help you break today before you go, 
Maybe you believe the lie that you've done something that puts you outside of God's love. Maybe you believe the lie that God doesn't care about you or that you can't have a relationship with him. Or maybe you didn't even know you could. Today, I want you to know that we need to replace that with the truth that God wants all to be saved. He wants all to be in relationship with him. And if you're here today and you don't have that relationship with Jesus, or you need to get that relationship right, I wanna pray this prayer in closing. And if you would say, Todd, include me in this prayer, right where you're seated. Would you just raise your hand up and just say, yes, Todd, this, this is for me. I don't wanna believe that lie any longer. I wanna believe the truth of God's love. Let's pray this together out loud. Say, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of all my sin. Today I repent and I turn to you and I'll follow you the best I know how every day of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's thank God for those that made that decision today. Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and then select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, just make sure that you subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to all of you who so generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's really because of you that everything we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.